0: Good morning.
1: Well, good morning to you. Turn to me and say good morning. Thank you. And turn to your neighbor and say good morning. Uh, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Come out and join us too for the National Day of Prayer Thursday night. We want to pray for our nation. Join a million congregations across our land praying for our country. We're studying today what Jesus said about marriage, and would you repeat that with me, please? There you go. And I want to give you a disclaimer right up front. Can I give you a disclaimer? A disclaimer means if you don't like what I said, uh, Sue told me to say it, so don't blame me. The disclaimer is, I do not want to put any more guilt or shame on anybody in this room or watching online over this issue of marriage. Lord have mercy, we've had enough of that. Someone say amen. I don't want you to go down that road and I don't want to lead you down that road because the issue of being married is not easy for any of us. Uh, we need to pray for my dear wife, who's been married to me for 41 years next month. And uh, we married opposites. I'm loud, and she's smart. Uh, I'm arrogant, and she's humble. Uh, I I can make quick decisions, and she says, why did you do that? So it's a good, it's a good fit for us. Uh, This is not easy to get your head around, and the words of Christ we're going to study today are not easy either, but I want to give you hope. I want you to go out of here feeling like, if you're single, wow, I know how to do this a little better. If you've been married a long time like I have, you want to go, it's been a good run, but I I want the last years to be our best years. Now, at the end, I'm going to talk about something a little bit called grace marriage. Grace Marriage is a a marriage, a ministry that meets four Saturday mornings here at Church of the Savior. And we're gonna learn how we can love and serve our spouses. And so this is our third year. Sue and I are involved, and I want you to be thinking about that because we start in June next month. It'll be about every six weeks. And if you want to get better in your marriage Or if you're dating someone and you'd like to come, we would love to have you come and bring uh, the one that you care about. Marriage is not easy to navigate, and the only way I know to do that is through staying true to the Scriptures and letting the Holy Spirit tutor us. Uh, After all these years on a regular basis, the Holy Spirit says little things like, uh, "Steve, I don't think that'd be wise to say that," or, "Steve, get up and help your wife." Uh, the Scripture says this, I think, somewhere. Somewhere, I'm not sure where. Uh, if Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody. Just try that together, man. Let's try that. The earlier you learn this, the smarter you will be, and the less knots on the back of your head. Try it with me, man. If Mama ain't, ain't nobody happy. There you go. You're figuring this out. Now, there's some verses I want to start with. And there'll be some stuff not in your notes. Say the verse with me, please. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Let me show you a picture. It's fairly recent. That's my crown right there. Uh, say the next one. A man who finds a wife finds a Good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Okay, so in the picture, there's the good thing, and here's just the thing, okay? Good thing and the thing. It's a difference. Now let's read the passage together. You got your Bibles? Hold your Bibles up. You got one somewhere? Steal your neighbor's Bible and hold it up, so... Verse 1, chapter 19, New American Standard. When Jesus had finished those words, he departed from Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. So he's on the east side. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Jesus answered and said, Well, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them what? Male Male and female. And he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two become what? One flesh. They are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore... God is joined together, let no man separate. And they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but, see the but in there? From the beginning... It has not been this way. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for, the, for immorality, marries another woman, commits adultery. Verse 10. The disciples said to him, "With the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, Ooh. Ouch. Oh, no. Remember, these are a bunch of single guys. Maybe it's better if we don't get married. Verse 11, he said to them, Well, not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs. Verse 12 is puzzling. There are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb. There are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And he who is able to accept this, let him accept it. So the passage starts out. The Pharisees are trying to trap our master by asking him a very difficult question. The question is, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all. Now the context of the passage goes back in history. There are two rabbinic scholars, two rabbis, who are contemporaries of the Lord Jesus at the time. These guys influenced thousands of others. So, So there were two camps. One is this guy, Shammai, and the other one, Hillel. And they had divergent thoughts and teaching on this topic of divorce in Judaism. Shammai held to the law rigidly, saying, only for the sake of sexual immorality is it permissible in God's eyes to get a divorce. The second rabbi, Hillel, thought this, that a man could divorce his wife for any reason at all. Oh, you forgot cheese from our grits this morning. Out! That was a very popular position among rough men in Israel. They sold those CDs, tapes, and books right and left. See, right here, right here. So how did Jesus answer? He answered with the scripture. The foundation of everything. When people ask you questions, how do you answer? What's your basis? If we build marriages on God's pattern... It's my belief we won't have to worry about divorce. So here's Jesus' answer. I think it's fascinating where he pulled his answer from. He could have gone to Psalms. He could have gone to Deuteronomy. He could have gone to Proverbs. He went all the way back to the very first chapter. In scripture Genesis chapter 1 why because Genesis is the foundation of so many things so he starts with the foundation first lesson here's the first lesson and he said read it with me please he created them male and female That doesn't seem controversial, but in our day and time, it's very controversial, because everywhere in our culture, our young people are getting a lot of different messages on that, and it's coming to our city, and it's coming to your friends, and it's coming to the schools of your children, who can go in which bathrooms. Who can compete in which athletic events and win trophies? It's become very controversial. And I just want to say, in this day and time, where there's a lot of confusion over gender. God did not make a mistake. You and your friends are made in his image, which means you are terrific. You're beautiful, and he's got a wonderful destiny for you. That This is not in your notes, but isn't it interesting what Jesus did not say? He didn't say two males and one female. He didn't say that. He didn't say two females and one male. He didn't say that either. He didn't say two males, and he didn't say two women. He didn't say that. He didn't say a group marriage, and he didn't say gay marriage. He told us, clear, how to be happy, how this works. He made them, say it with me please, he made them what? Male and female. Now we have seducing spirits which are demonic spirits speaking to your children and your friends, telling them, no, that's not who you are, and God made a mistake, and you need to fix that. Well, no, you need to go back to the plan. Go back to the design. Everyone say design. One more time, everyone say design. What do you mean the design? The design the Creator had for you. Embrace the design. Don't reject the design. That's how that works. And your pastor loves gay people. I do. I love them. I will help them. And I've got a lot of friends, my, actually half my age, who once were walking with Christ, and they've listened to seducing spirits, and now they think they're different. And when I sit down with them, I don't judge them. I don't throw scripture at them. I listen to them, I love them, but I will never tell them what they're thinking is correct because I know it is incorrect. And I tell them, this is my phone number, if I can ever help you, the time will come, you will need help, and I will always help you. So don't reject the design. That's a critical, critical mistake. And I do say, I say, you know, you can believe whatever you want to. And I will still love you. You can believe whatever you want to. And I will still love you. For instance, you can believe that your grandfather was a tadpole. And he was created in a swamp of goo. Everyone say goo. And you can believe that if you want to. You can look at that picture and say, there's Uncle George on the left. there's Cousin Brenda over there on the right. You can believe that. I'm going to sleep good. You probably won't, but you can believe that if you want to. And you can believe that an alien made you and on the way to Roswell, New Mexico, dropped you off in Gatlinburg. You can believe that if you want to. You can eat pancakes down there and buy a T-shirt that says, I was made by an alien. You can believe that. That an alien race created all this. You can believe that. You want to? Go ahead. Go ahead. And you can believe that you were created in a truck plant in Georgetown. <laughs> that you grew up on an assembly line and people put this in and added it in. And But that's not you, honey. You're not a Camry. No. But you can believe that if you want to. You can dr- walk around going, boodin, 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 boodin. You can do that if you want to. But I will say this because I love you. Let me tell you who you really are. You're made in the image of God. And you're one of a kind. And you're terrific. And you're awesome. And you're smart. And you're talented like nobody else that's ever walked this planet. Because there's a design for you. Don't reject the design. Embrace the design, because Psalms 139 says, say it with me, please, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You're magnificent than the greatest car that ever rolled off any assembly line. Plus, he's still working on you. Every day, he's helping you. And today, maybe it was today, he's helping you by us talking about this. Let me pray for you before we get away. Let me pray. Here's my phone number. Now, uh, I'm not nece- necessarily the most gifted mechanically uh, per- gifted person ever, but I've built two houses. And uh, the first one, I hung out at Lowe's to figure out how to do it, and I bought a bunch of books and asked questions, and I hired a few good guys and a number of bad guys. But I got the house that uh, I I wanted, first one 27 years ago. But if you really want a good house, there's one thing you got to do. You got to hire an architect, and you got to follow the plan. You don't just start screwing nails and pouring concrete and, you know, throwing windows in upside down or sideways or putting all the roof shingles upside down or putting the downspouts to go through the bedroom. You just don't do that kind of stuff. You know, when my father, who was very mechanically gifted and a good carpenter, plumber, electrician, when I built the first house, he would walk through that house and eat on my porch and sit in my kitchen and he would just say, I have no idea how you could do this <laughs> he didn't have a lot of faith in my gifts so I said well the Lord and a few other people help me now here's another lesson the more intricate the more beautiful a house is we're giving away that house to the first 10 people that register for grace marriage today Amen you all have to live in the same bedroom the more closely you have to follow the plan is that true is that true and you are the most beautiful creation the world has ever seen you got to follow the plan Jesus went on helping us understand marriage and said, for this reason, say it please, for this reason, which means purpose, for this purpose. He said, a man, and it is a man's responsibility primarily, shall leave, must leave his father and mother. This is also kind of countercultural to the way Americans live today because young men don't leave father and mother very well. When your son is 48, he does not need to be sitting at your knee and you feeding him food. It's time for the boy and the daughter to transition. That's what leave means. It's a transition. It is a change. Well, how is it a transition, Steve, to two things? Transition to maturity. Everyone say maturity. And a transition to commitment. He is growing up. He's making adult choices. He has a new relationship that's more important than you, mom and dad. I saw this figure years ago. It was shocking. I'm sure it's not improved. And that is kids on the Kentucky frontier were pretty mature by the time they were 13 and 14. They were adults by the time they were 13 and 14. Every decade, the kids in America, it takes longer for them to mature. The kids in the Amazon jungle we're more mature than American kids by the time they were 12. You know why? Because in our culture, kids don't have to mature. Us parents do practically everything for them. Now, why did Jesus say the man needs to leave emotionally, mentally? Hey, we still got relationship. Yeah, we still love each other. Yeah, we still help each other. But there needs to be a leaving or there can't be a clinging. The two become what? One. No longer two. But now we are on the same page. It is a new page. It's a new chapter. It is a new book. Now, what does that mean, Steve? If I get married, I'm a single person. I get absorbed into the collective. I lose my personality and my individuality. No, you are still an individual, your own individual. You still have gifts. You still have graces. You still have different thoughts. If you marry somebody like you who thinks like you, that's not probably good. My wife and I are, are complete opposites. And I've learned over all these years, there's two views of the same problem. Her way, which is the right way, and my way, which is the... Well, let's say less right. Let's say less right. Right? This is true, I believe. The Lord speaks to the wife first in a marriage. Many times, my wife has an opinion that she's not even well versed in, and 97.3% of the time she's right, and I'm the one that has to go, okay, honey, do you know why the Lord speaks to the wife first in a marriage? Do you know why? She has an extra cable to the throne room. Women do, that's for sure. Ladies, please plug your cable up. It's for the Lord to teach the man to cherish his wife and listen to her. Because our fallen nature is we do not listen to our wives. Personalities. We need different personalities, not the same. And strength. Think about pies. Does anybody like pies? There's a left half in a pie, and there is a right half. There's not two lefts. Two lefts does not work. You need a left and a right. That's why we marry opposites. Do you know why we tend to marry opposites in personality, temperament, gifts, and graces? Because what I don't like about myself, I adore and sue. And what she doesn't like about herself, she finds strength in my character. Does that make sense? That's why opposites attract. So you have differences, but the goal is unity in a marriage. It takes a long time. Means we're on the same team now. We have the ring on our hands. We are a partnership now. I value the differences. In the way my partner thinks. But one value system. One partnership. One overarching purpose for the Lord bringing us together. And the purpose is not just on this planet. It's eternal. It's an eternal goal. We have to think big. Now if the Lord brought you a wife. And if you're single. You Ask the Lord. I prayed for my wife seven years before I met her. Wait for the right one. Pray for the one that you need. Because when he brings you the spouse that you need, he did it for his purpose, not primarily for your happiness. We get that all upside down. We think our spouse will make us happy. No, 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 no. Our spouse will probably frustrate us. But our purpose in Christ unifies us. That's how we find our happiness. Does that make sense? A husband will never make you happy. A wife will never make you fulfilled. It's only in Christ. Now, this is good preaching. Someone say amen. Oh, I'll keep you here to 4 o'clock if you don't help me out here. Now, this is a place I've never been before. And Sue and I got to spend... Several days at the Billy Graham Training Center in Asheville. How many have ever been there? Have you ever been there? I've never been. Oh, wow. A couple, okay. And we went to a conference and Jim Cimbala, the pastor of the tremendous Brooklyn Tabernacle, spoke to pastors and their spouses for two days. It was amazing. By the way, he told uh, Pastor Reeser and I at breakfast that he's willing to come to Lexington next year. To help our church be a house of prayer and to help the pastors in this city. So so we went there, had a great time. And I'm wandering through the museum and, you know, it talks about the ministry of Billy and Ruth. And there's a quote that I wrote down because it was so touching. And the quote under a picture when they first got married said, Never would there have been a Billy Graham without a Ruth Graham. That is cool, isn't it? And that was a partnership that lasted 64 years. So I want you to start thinking big about the marriage you've got. If you've been married 50 years, God's got a purpose for your marriage. And you're better together. And Paul calls it a mystery. The mystery of being different. The mystery of finding your calling. The mystery of teamwork. Because different allows you to be effective if you're unified. Well, how does that work, Steve? Well, just like on any sports team. Quarterback, wide receiver, go to the Hall of Fame, both of them, but they're very different in skills and temperament. But they work together for the team. They work together for the team. And only God could design such a beautiful, beautiful mystery. Uh, remember the answer is always on the screen, remember that, third grade level, is different, good, yes or no? Oh, you're so smart, thank you, thank you. Let's talk about sex for a minute. Boy, just everybody's attention just went right up, wow. What's the purpose of the sexual relationship in a marriage? A lot of reasons. But God's view, since he said it's good, it's designed to be a blessing to man and wife. How, pastor? Because the main purpose is not procreation. It's not even pleasure. What's the main purpose? Oneness. Oneness is the purpose. The two become one flesh. Now, this is not in your notes, but our enemy, the devil, messes up, tries to mess up everything God creates. You young people, please pay attention. The devil t- wants to take this beautiful gift and destroy lives. I think God knew exactly what He was doing. The purpose of the sexual relationship in a marriage—it's all about giving. It's about giving. What do you mean, giving? Giving comfort. It's about giving affection. It's about giving affirmation. Very important. It's about giving oneself. It's the giving that produces. Oneness. Man, it is so quiet in here. Woo-hoo! Sue told me to say all this, so blame her if it gets a little dicey in here. The sexual drive outside of marriage, before marriage, or outside of marriage, is always destructive. It will mess you up on the inside. It will mess, mess up your mind, mess up your body, mess up your spirit, mess up your emotions. One, Why? Because you bonded with people. And then the bond was broken. You bonded with somebody else and then it was broken. And you bonded with somebody else and it was broken. I think that's why pornography is so addictive. It's bonding to people you don't even know. People on a screen is debilitating. It's like walking around on broken legs. Can Jesus heal you? Of course. But it's better if you don't have to get broken first. It's better if you go into a marriage, both of you as virgins, and you learn to give yourself rather than just giving yourself to whoever and wherever. That's a way to have a broken life. And here's a very important little counseling tip. You cannot be one with 10 people. That's why you save yourself until the rain goes on. You save yourself for the wedding night because you want to make sure of oneness for 60 years of a good marriage together. You say, well, does that mean once I get married, Steve, that just anything goes? No, it's not about legalized lust at that point, because lust is about me. Again, the sexual relationship is about them, not about me. Now, the scripture says, Jesus quoted, two are better than one. Is that true or false? Carry heavy couch. Is it better to have somebody else? Oh, yeah. How about this one? Are two is two better than one? Yes or no? Oh yes. You ever had a spotter before? It's really nice to have one. What if you don't have a spotter? That's what happens if you don't have a spotter. The same passage is woe to the man that's by himself when the weights fall off the bench. It's gotta be in there somewhere. How about two better than one? Yes or no? Yeah. Two better than one? You know, if you're a good person, that's great. But what if you have another good person beside you that's opposite and different and powerful and smart and good-hearted? What you get is greater return for your work. The fact that my wife has been my best friend for 41 years the fact that she's been my co-laborer in ministry, the fact that she has served thousands of people meals, the fact that she's worked with children for 40 years, the fact that she forgives me and supports me and allows me to run like a crazy idiot for Jesus, I couldn't do any of that without her. She is the stability in our home. So I want to ask you, are you working together? Are you working against each other? Do you value the differences that your spouse has or do you do what most couples do? Well, what's that, Steve? Are you ready? Most couples tear each other down because you're not like me. Now, This is free, but I want you to write this down. You know the difference between a good marriage and a bad marriage since we marry opposites most of the time? You don't need another you. You need somebody different. You know what the difference is? Good marriages celebrate the differences, bad marriages tear the other person down because they're different. That's the difference. Now, this is the most important thing I'll say. You've been married 20 years, you're dating somebody. Do you treat your spouse better? Than anybody in the world. Because usually the spouse gets treated worse than anybody in the world. Jesus said what God has joined together, let what? What's the verse say? Let what? So I don't want to tear your marriage down. I don't want to tear my marriage down. I want to fix in me what's broken so I can love my wife. I do not want to separate what God thought was a good idea. Well, the Pharisees said, well, Lord, uh, uh, well, tell me why Moses commanded and said this, to give her a certificate of divorce. Notice the word command, that is a misrepresentation. People twist the scriptures and the Pharisees twisted the scriptures all the time and just get rid of her twisting the scriptures. Jesus says, you got it wrong. He never commanded it. He permitted it for one reason. What's the one reason? He committed it because, do you know the answer? Because of your hardness of heart. If you're going to treat her that way. If you're going to treat him that way. Because your hearts are so bad. Your hearts are so stinky. So selfish. So arrogant. And Jesus went on to say in that verse. This kind of behavior The Father never intended for it to destroy your marriage from the very beginning. This issue of selfishness is the root. Just be honest with me. How many of you have a pretty significant selfish streak? Would you hold your little wicked hands up? I see some halfway. I am so stinking selfish. I'm a selfish dork. Unless Jesus helps me. Life is not about us. And selfishness is the root of all sin, all pride, and all divorce. And having hard hearts, now I'm, ready to, I'm about ready to preach. Can I preach for a minute? Having hard hearts is our problem because when you disobey the lord when you get disappointed you get wounded you get a hard heart and it doesn't just happen at once it gets harder and harder with another layer another layer and before you know it your heart is like stone and that's what destroys relationships divorce means this That you quit on somebody. And God the Father does not quit on people. Matter of fact, he says, I'll never do it. I'm not going to quit on people. And I, as a pastor, I don't want to quit on people either. Well, how do I I not quit on people? Well, let me tell you, I'm not going to stand around and tell you to let people abuse you. Do not do that. Get away from them. I'm not going to let people use me. I'm not going to do that. But I can do this. I can still pray for them. I can still believe that they can change. Can, can God change anybody? Yes or no? Yes, I can believe God can still change them. And I can still love them. It may be have, to have to be at a distance. But I cannot let my heart get hard. If I do that, I'm in trouble. And yet, he doesn't quit on people, but people quit on him all the time. Is that true? And just like I can't make Sue love me, I can't make anybody love me, God will not force his love on anybody. It's a choice. And he gives people the freedom to choose. And here's, here's what's sad to me. Divorce can happen to anybody. Good people that love God that have been in the ministry can find themselves divorced because their wayward spouse gives them no other option because of the hardness of their heart. It happens sometimes. It does. And I want to say you don't have to put up with bad behavior from people. From your kid from people in your family, you don't have to put up with bad behavior from them because you're doing nobody a a service by doing that. So the disciples came to this conclusion. We read it a while ago. Well, Lord, if marriage takes this kind of commitment, maybe I should not even get married. And our Savior made it clear. Well, how did he make it clear? you got to seek God's will for yourself. You don't marry because of hormones or because somebody's pretty. You marry because you have checked them out. You like their character. You hear the whisper of God. That's why you get married. And this puzzling comment at the end that Jesus gave us three ways... Reasons people don't get married one was because of physical and emotional challenges some people were made eunuchs from their mother's womb now my down syndrome uncle that i grew up with he had the iq of a 10 year old and i loved him and we were best buddies and when i was a kid laird would say one day i get married too and i go awesome, I'll sing at your wedding. And we celebrated, but he was, he was very happy living with my grandmother. It just wasn't going to happen. And Jesus said there are some people that are made eunuchs by men. What's that talking about? In the Roman Empire, when there was a war and people were taken captives, often men were emasculated to make them docile and uh, probably daniel the prophet had been made a eunuch which is like one of the heights of sexual abuse and yet still he served god in the city of rome 30 percent of the population were slaves don't know how many of them were eunuchs or not. but he said some people are made that way well what does that look like in our culture well Maybe some people, because of responsibilities of caring for family members, it's just not an option for me right now. I have responsibilities. And then some have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. Let me close with these exhortations. <clears throat> if you want to if you want more out of your marriage, invest in your marriage. Some people invest all the wrong things in their marriage anger don't invest anger in your marriage critical words don't have a critical tongue don't have a critical heart one day the holy spirit grabbed me and said keep your mouth shut don't you ever criticize your wife again and that's been 35 years ago and it worked Some of you isolate from each other. You just pull back. You don't give love. You don't give affection. You keep the wall going. That's dumb. And some of you have been married 20 years, 5 years. You don't invest anything. You take your spouse for granted. You're happy with your work. You're happy with your minister. You're happy with your garden. You're happy with your hobbies. But your spouse gets zero. You reap what you sow. If you sow corruption, you're going to get corruption. If you sow life, you're going to get life. Here's this crazy question, third grade level. How many like to be happy? Just hold your little... Selfish hands up. Do you like to be happy? Really? Happy? Happy, happy, happy. I want to be happy. I want to come home to a wife that's excited about seeing me. I want to look forward to being with my family. That's investing. And we have this opportunity I told you about called Grace Marriage. It's four hours, four Saturdays this summer and this fall. It's a way to learn how to love your wife. And ladies, you want your husbands to learn that. It's the second most important thing you can invest in, how to respect your men. Costs 200 bucks over the, essentially $50 a Saturday. You say, that's a lot of money. Well, you drop that at a restaurant. You spend that at Kohl's. You spend that on Amazon, why don't you invest it in your marriage? And if you don't have the money, you want to do it, I'll pay for yours. I'll pay for yours. You can sign up in the lobby. You can sign up on the website because you want to have the best marriage you can. Because we come imperfect. We come with baggage. We come with pain. We come needing to learn, learn what? How to sow righteousness into our marriage, to have a good marriage. Now, I hope you picked up the Lord's table, the Lord's supper with you. When you take the Lord's table, this is a serious thing. Don't take the Lord's table unless you are a follower of Christ. You say, this says you're all in. You're not halfway in. You're all in. And if you're all in or you're moving forward, I want you to lift the top and pull the bread out. Hold it in your hand. As Jesus said, This is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And likewise, turn it over, pull the tab, and the blood of our Saviour. Is the most precious commodity in the universe because it signifies I'm a child of the Lord. It signifies that my heart is clean before him today. And maybe your heart is not clean. And maybe there's something that the Lord's dealing with you about. Why don't you just ask him to forgive you right now before you take it, ask for his cleansing. Recommit your life to him now, and then take and drink. this last moment this last song is the most important time of the service because this altar is open this altar is here to do business with the Lord and there may be some people this morning that have a hard heart because you've been hurt, you've been broken and the Lord cannot use you while your heart is hard and the only thing he can do is break it And once you've surrendered it, he will start the healing so he can use you again. So come to the altar. Allow him to bring healing in Jesus' name.
0: soil and I- me to be God I came here with nothing oh
1: today or maybe you're here in the audience and you need to get your heart right with God why don't you pray this prayer with me and mean it sincerely say Lord Jesus I'm so sorry for being a rebel for being hard headed and hard hearted would you forgive me today come into my life wash me clean make me your child And may I be completely born again today. And I will serve you all of my life, starting today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, come by and see me. Have a great day. Slip out quietly. There's people here doing business with the Lord. God bless you.
0: Savior online today we hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus if you made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today please reach out to us we would love to help you take your next step please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family there is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you thanks again for tuning in hope to see you next week